Hi, I'm Sharon Sire, your host for today of our LLC podcast. Uh, It's an honor to introduce our listeners to inspiring women who are making a real difference in business, not just logistics and supply, but in all areas of business. So today we're going to hear some inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges, how how her background helped to shape who she is today, and how she empowers others and gives back to the community. So today I want you to join me uh, in welcoming our guest, Kara Lee Deerdorf. And I want to, whoops. So Kara Lee is the principal at Byron Nelson High School where she supports curriculum and instruction, staff development and leads campus and district improvement. She's in her 20th, 20 plus years in education and 12th year in administration. Before becoming an administrator, Kara Lee served as a middle and high school English teacher, athletic coach, campus instructional teacher, and, and curriculum writer. She has presented on multiple occasions at district, region, state, and national conferences. Kara Lee enjoys reading, working out, watching Green Bay Packer football, and spending time with her two children and husband. So welcome, Carolee. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you and, for having me. And I'm excited about our topic uh, because we're going to be talking, since you're in education, I thought you were the perfect person for us to talk about the incoming Gen Zers and working with millennials and all the different generations uh, that we deal with on a day-to-day basis because it's definitely changed over the years since I've been in, in business and been a leader. So why don't you start out by telling us how you got to where you are? Because I, during some of our discussions, we found out that not only is logistics a pretty male-dominated industry, but so is education. So how did you become an administrator and, uh, and how did you get there? Um, well, it, it has been a different journey. Um, you know, when I started off, uh, my mom um, retired. Um, I believe she was around 37 years in education as an elementary teacher. And so, you know, I got to, you know, basically learn a lot about education just from watching her. And in my mind, I really didn't even have any other aspirations than just to be a teacher. Um, you know, I loved the classroom. I loved everything about it. And I really fell in love with the curriculum side. So my original master's degree is in curriculum. So that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to go into curriculum. I wanted to support teachers. I wanted to write curriculum. Um, And then I, and I just, the role of an administrator was just never something that interested me. I, I always saw it as what the old school style is, is buses and discipline and books. And it just wasn't it wasn't what I wanted. It didn't feel the the need of serving others like that I really, you know, was going after. Um, and then I had a really wonderful mentor um, who I, I, I applied for a curriculum instructional um, district job for English. It was my passion. And every single thing I talked about was the campus and the students and the, and the teachers. And he said, this is not for you. You shouldn't be at the district level. You should be at the campus level with people. And I'm like, but what am I supposed to do? He goes, why, why don't you be an administrator? And I said, that's not for me. That's I'm not ready for that. I don't have any experience. And I think that's something that I've heard a lot of women say over and over and over again. I'm not ready. I don't have the experience. I, I wouldn't do a good job. I wouldn't serve people the right way. And, you know, it took a lot of convincing for me to to kind of change my mind. So I had a lot of great leaders that, you know, spoke life into me. And so I, you know, went back to school, got my administrative certificate, became an assistant principal, and I just loved it. I loved every bit of it. 
Um, and then I moved on to, I applied for an associate principal role. Again, I didn't think I was ready. I applied only because I had a female uh, mentor leader say, it, you're never going to be ready. Stop saying you're not ready. You're never, ever going to be ready. And so I, I did it anyways. Somehow I got the job. I probably shouldn't have gotten the job. Um, <laughs> I was really stressed out for a long time. So I was the associate principal. And, you know, the, I just I was very, again, blessed to have a strong mentor that just said, just learn, just grow, just keep at it every day, just learn and grow more. And so every year I did that until he decided to retire. And at the time that he retired, um, all the secondary principals mostly were all male. And over the last few years, now all three of our high school principals are female. So that's very, very unique. Um, that's also, you know, something that's that's not normal for most districts, but ours has become predominantly female. A lot of my upper level administration is female. Um, I would say something that's unique about us is that we work really closely together. Um, there's a lot of, of collaboration. There's a lot of support systems in place. And I think that's something as a female leader, I was hoping for or looking for. And I don't know that I would have continued now in like my 12th year in administration if I hadn't had other female leaders pour into me and tell me, stop trying to take care of everybody, stop trying to have every answer. Um, and I don't know that that's something that um, some of my, my male um, colleagues have ever struggled with as much, not knowing the answer. But that's something as a female, I would take to heart if I didn't have an answer to a question or I couldn't help people. Um, so definitely kind of a different journey of background, but I absolutely love what I do. And um, I love working with students, um, even though they are very different than what um, what we what I grew up as and then what even you grew up as. They're, they're, they're a unique bunch. <laughs> I know. And, you know, your story is so common because we talk about this a lot, that mm. women want to be qualified for whatever job they want to go after where men will just jump in and learn it. And we're, we haven't gotten there yet, but I, I think yeah. we're, we, we're getting there. I think more and more women, I, I notice that in our industry that I'm in, a lot of women couldn't get into leadership roles because, well, we were women. And, but now they've started their own businesses or, you know, they, they move up just by the sheer, they're pushing themselves. And so, it, and we all have that mentor group, that tribe that we depend on, that push us to get us to uh, to move into areas that we're not really comfortable or ready for. And so, I I, I urge women all the time mm -hmm. to find a group of women that will push you, uh, force you to do better. It will be honest with you and give you the right info. You know, the right not just tell you everything you're doing is okay. They need to give you the criticism. Or, or not so much criticism, but give you the right answers. Mm -hmm. It's some, some that are uncomfortable. And Absolutely. so, and that's how I think we grow and we get better as women. So I know that as a leader, it was a big, you know, I'm a boomer. I know we have the different generations. And so boomers, I, you know, if you do a little research on the different generations, boomers were we had a desire for change uh, and progress and we were involved in civil rights and feminist movement. And we were probably the first ones that wanted to promote social uh, justice and inequality. And I don't think a lot of the younger people today realize how much we did 
mm-hmm. to to for that progress. And then as women went into the workforce because of the feminist movement, then your Gen Z and your Gen Xers came in. Mm-hmm. They became the latchkey kids because they were at home alone after school and they became very independent, like to work on their own. And then here comes the millennials and they were so totally different. And uh, I actually had to go take a seminar because I, I just, I had boomers, I had Gen uh, Xers, and then I had millennials. And I, I had a really hard time uh, working with millennials because mm-hmm. their mindset was so different. Their work ethic was different. They, what they wanted was different out of at work. So, and I know that you've got students and you have employees. Now you have employees that are millennials. And then uh, now you have Gen Zers that are students and employees. So why don't you tell us as leaders what to expect from this future generation? Um, it's it's kind of mind boggling. So it's, they're very different. Um, and so I supervise around um, 200 plus employees. So I have 2,900 students and then 200 employees. And I have every range. I have boomers, I have, I have Gen Xers, I have millennials. I have I have a lot of students that have just graduated college that went to high school here that I hired straight out of college. So they're my beginning of my Gen Zers that are kind of now just graduated or in the workforce. So it's been very interesting um, because they all do come at it from a different mindset. And, you know, my my millennials, um, I definitely have to talk to them in a certain way or I have to kind of um, be kind of careful of what of how I, I voice things. My students, which are obviously my big Gen Z group, um, something that, you know, I talked about as a comparison to, you know, my mom, who, you know, is, is kind of my relevant, you know, boomer. And, and she worked when I grew up. And so some of my kids, some of my friends, kids, moms did, some didn't. So I was kind of part of that generation. So I was used to being very independent. Um, and I didn't really think about to be honest, I didn't really think about a cause so much whenever I got into a job of like, I needed to change the world. I just wanted to serve people. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of my passion. But a lot of my students, they really find value in the effect of and the impact that they have with change. They really don't want to take a job on that they don't, they see themselves as stuck. Like when I talk about how awesome it would be to stay with the same company, I've been with the same district for 16 years, which is you know, for me, I, I don't, I love the value of being, you know, in a, a place that everybody knows my name, they know who I am, they know what I'm about. The loyalty is a big deal to me. That's not really something that the Gen Z think firsthand. They they typically think that that means that you're stuck. I don't want to be stuck somewhere for 40 years. I don't want to be stuck somewhere and, and trying to get them to see that a company can evolve with them. Um, that their passions and their goals don't have to exist outside a company in a one position that they choose, that it can work with them to support them and meet their goals. Um, Because I don't think that they see that. I think they see a lot of their goals only being met if they go from one place to another place to another place and kind of climb the ladder. And I think that is a different, you know, feel for them. They also talk a lot about work-life balance. And that's not really something that I really grew up with, I grew up with, you get the job done. It doesn't matter how many hours it takes. I mean, it may only take two or it may take 20, but you get the job done. You work till it's done. Um, whereas some of the younger generation is, is, is why are they asking me to do that? That's not part of my job description and I'm done at four or I'm done at five. Um, and so having to kind of talk to them about that. Okay. Yes, you are. 
but what is it, where, how does that align with your goals? So some of it's that they, they're, they have a lot more than what I would say most of our generations had. And so they expect oftentimes to start off at a higher place than, um, you know, their parents did. And it seems so easy. So they expect us to go right into the same lifestyle. And I think that has been a sticker shock for a lot of them. Um, I have a lot of students that come back to me from college and they're like, I didn't realize how expensive everything was. And a lot of them, um, I was um, explaining this to somebody the other day that shocked me. They're not so eager to get out and be on their own. They have no problems living at home. They even getting a license is not necessarily a big deal for them, which it baffled me. It, I, I was counting down the hours, the minutes getting it. Like I wanted that independence. So the independence for them is not necessarily what drives them. They're very driven by teamwork. Um, they're very driven by um, like finding meaning in something. But their teamwork doesn't look like what you think teamwork would. For me, teamwork is sitting down face to face with people in groups and, and working together. They are very comfortable working in hybrid groups where you know, they're online, they may never have it, even a Zoom or face-to-face -face call. And that's totally fine by them. They don't, it doesn't bother them. It doesn't phase them. It doesn't feel like they've stunted their collaboration or their ideas. Whereas that's just so foreign to us. Yeah. That, that is the way they would collaborate. It's very weird. In our so mind. how do they collaborate when they do it that way? A lot of times, I mean, like I see kids all the time that will even do a shared Google Doc and they'll just like, almost like rapid fire text back and forth in the Google doc, go through their ideas. Okay. And so like, like texting for them is honestly slow and old. Like they, like they will either do it via snap. They'll do it via um, DMing, but like a lot of them, if they're doing collab, they'll open up one doc um, document and fire back and forth. Oh, okay. Interesting. So employees need to have those tools that they can work with because honestly in the, in the companies that I've been with in the last few years, I haven't seen collab like that. I mean, it's just, that's a new word for me. And so, <laughs> and so we have to keep up. That, that's the thing I tell the older generation. I said, if you're going to go back to work and some are working longer. Uh, I mean, I came back from retirement and I, and I mean, I'm in my seventies and I'm still working, but you have to keep up with the technology in order to work with these younger people and not, criticize, but to embrace. Is that how we need to do it? I think yes, but I also think understanding that um, they're not as technology savvy as you would think. Yes, in the sense of they are very technology savvy in the social aspect, mm. but they are, they really struggle to like, we've really had to work hard teaching our students how to send a professional email. What does that look like? What should it sound like? You can't do the rapid fire text or the abbreviations or the the shortness. <laughs> yeah, you can't do emojis. You can't, you can't like there is a time for professionalism. And I think sometimes we forget that they haven't really been trained in that because every, all their daily interaction is with short, you know, text and short verbals or short, you know, pictures, short snaps. And so um trying to get their needs and their wants across in a in a professional manner is something that takes training. And that's really something that they need, but that they don't realize that they need until they're getting in trouble for it, you know, mm -hmm. perceived. And then, you know, their their boss is not happy with how they took their email or, or what. So that is definitely something that they need training in. Um, and so I think it's, you know, 
we shouldn't miss read that. Oh, just because they know technology and they don't even know how to do basic things on Word or PowerPoint. That's something that we've really worked here at the high school is getting more kids certified in those what we consider soft skills, okay. because those are the soft skills that are they're struggling to get jobs and keep jobs because their soft skills are not where they need to be. Their ideas are great, but they don't know how to get those communicated across to others. So how does employees, can we, so how can, how can we help them with that? I mean, in our, in our, just in our regular training, in our training on getting them uh, trained in, in the job that we hired them to do, should we just work with them more and more? Would they accept that training? I mean, are they open to it? I think it's all in the way you put it. They work really well with mentors and a buddy system, something that seems very Mm -hmm. non-threatening. They love, um, and it it has to be kind of their idea. And so um, it's hard sometimes to make something their idea when you're like, you need this. But when they're, when they have the opportunity to kind of self-evaluate and get choice in what their training is, um, I do a lot of choice-based stuff. Teachers do a lot of choice of like, okay, what do you need support with? You choose the area you need support with and it's kind of that safety net, mm-hmm. then they'll nat- they will typically choose the areas that they know they need the most growth. They just don't want to be told, you know, Carrie, you're really, really bad at communication. So you need to go to this training for that. Um, they want more of the opportunity to say, hey, you know, Kara, hey, I'm so excited to, to for you to grow and learn. What 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 interests you the most about growth, you know, in your growth track? What is something that you really feel like you want to take more opportunity and advantage of? And thinking of it as more of a, this is such a great opportunity for you to learn more in this area um, and kind of guiding them there um, really helps, again, kind of becomes more their idea. They don't feel like they're being told because they don't like being told what to do. Yeah. Um, even though they know they need to, it again, it kind of needs to, they lack the appearance, even the illusion of options. Okay. And so are they open? Is this group coming through? Are they open to working uh in the office or are they still wanting to work remotely or? I think it's mixed. I think, um, I think a lot of our kids thought like, Oh, that's the coolest idea ever being able to work remotely. But then they didn't realize what remotely would be like Mm -hmm. really the, the, just the solitude of that and the loneliness of that. And also, um, you know, how to set, how to set up their apartment or home that really supports that. So I think they're really, I think they're open to both. What they really want is the flexibility of both. They really want both worlds. And I think that's a big change is that it's really not one way or the other. They love having that idea of like, again, work-life balance. Like I I love this. I love the face-to-face interaction, but I like the flexibility of knowing I don't have to give up this to get this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but they, they do really well with clear boundaries. Um, Kids don't push back near as much as if I just tell them straight up front, this is my boundary. Um, I'll give you an example, cell phones. Cell phones has been the biggest beatdown of of this generation. Like they are so used to having it. They honestly can't survive without it. Like it is, it is their, their, their blanket, their, their favorite toy. Like it's, they have a hard time putting it down, but they also know that they need to, but they, you would think, OK, if I just tell them that I'm going to give you I'm going to trust you to be responsible enough, you just choose how you want to manage that. They can't do that. 
So we've made it a policy here the last couple of years that you have to put it away and it has to be like, you know, in your back, like a person has to be completely put away. And we've had more kids tell us, thank you so much for being so clear about that structure and boundary, because now I don't feel bad when I can't respond to somebody because mm -hmm. it's not, it's not on me. You know, I don't feel so guilty about it. Those are very clear boundaries. Um, and because they just can't manage it. They always feel like they're missing out on something or they're letting somebody down by not responding. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it's a disrespect thing. They just don't, they don't want to feel like they're missing something. Right. So you've got to take that away. I know that several years ago, I was interviewing uh, interns from one of the universities and every one of them would bring in their cell phone to the interview. And answer it or text during the interview. And I'm thinking they need to be taught this skill at before the college sends them out on interviews. You know, you, yes. you do this and you don't, you don't do this. And it was really interesting. And I actually, I talked to the school about it. I said, <laughs> I said, okay, somebody needs to come in and talk to these students before they go on an interview because they're blowing it. A lot of them, mm -hmm. because we, we, like you said, we viewed it as disrespectful. They don't necessarily know better. So, so that makes sense. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And to me, they're so much fun. They can be. And I, and I, that's why I like to see them in the office some, because it's kind of that the teamwork where you actually feed off of each other and I feel like a lot of these young people are losing their uh, ability to socialize mm -hmm. because they're always on a phone or a computer or something instead of actually talking to somebody. Like, like we talked about the other day, they don't like to speak mm -mm. to people. They don't like to get up and talk or they don't like to talk on the telephone. They'd rather, you know, text so there are times when you do have to give a presentation or if you're trying to promote yourself for a promotion, you have to be able to communicate. And so I think that's what I've seen as lacking in our younger people. Yeah. And let's, now tell me if I'm wrong, because I am older. And I no, I will say, though, that they they are buying into that better because um, I think they have realized that now they have heard from older peers or, or another generation that has struggled because they didn't speak in front of people. So now that we are reintroducing a lot of like, again, I talk a lot about soft skills, but that's really all the feedback we've gotten from our business partners and our colleges is that being able to have a face to face meeting, having to be able to look somebody in the eye and shake their hand, articulate their those are skills that they need. So when we tell them that they're buying into that, they, they believe they, they see value in it. They mm -hmm. really do, but they need it. They need it clearly defined. It can't be like, how dare you not even look me in the eye? Like that. You can't come at it that way and say, Hey, you know, when I talk to you, I'm going to look you in the eye and this is why they love, they just want to know why. And so the more we feel like we should assume, well, they should know better. They should have been raised better than that. Like, well, that's all well and good, but that's not going to help reach them. You, you can't mm -hmm. come at it that way. You can't come at it angry or mean. You, you know, we've got to teach them like the why behind those skills and what that really helps. They're very, very flexible and they're very adaptable. Um, I think that's something that's unique about this generation. They don't get phased with, um, you know, I would say they're more open to diversity. They're more open to 
um, unique perspectives. They're more opening to working with a wide group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're very open to taking risks. They, um, you know, whenever they feel safe and comfortable, they the sky's the limit to them. But they do value. They do have some more values as far as what they see is um, morals and things that I feel like is a little bit different with this generation. I think mm-hmm. it kind of maybe went off the rails a little bit, and so they they see that you know, the, the turmoil in the country and the division, and they don't like it. They don't, they really, I think, hear the fighting and they just, it doesn't make sense to them and they want that to change. Right. And so I do see that as something that this generation talks about a lot more is not wanting their kids and stuff to grow up in that kind of environment. So do you think there's anything that we can do in the business world to what are, or what are your thoughts on, what we can do to get them to want to stay and not move on so quickly because there's a big cost involved in training people. And so of course we want to keep good people as long as possible. We hate it when, when good people leave. I mean, we want to encourage them to stay and be promoted and be part of the decision-making and, and cause we need the youth to continue on with our businesses to help us grow and to keep us, uh, financially stable and to keep our, you know, our culture, the, uh, the right, you know, positive. So what do you think we can do to keep these people? These I think people? The, the biggest thing, and, and we struggle with that too, um, but looking for, you know, they see promotions as something that's really big next thing. And so looking for leadership pathways and training along the way, those opportunities mm-hmm. um, for them to take leadership roles in small things. Mm-hmm. For them to take, you know, like having that that mentor, or that buddy that maybe isn't a leadership position of something that they're interested or inspiring to be. Also letting them um, shadow or having different experiences of things that they don't even know are options within your company. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of students, they think logistics is this thing and that's all it is. Or transportation is this thing and that's the only. They're very, they don't see all the different pieces and parts. Mm-hmm. And um, so letting them have those opportunities to shadow and, okay, if you're interested in this area, let's let you do some, you know, opportunity training in that area and kind of feel it out. Um, so it's safe, but also it kind of opens their mind up to lots of different areas that they may not even realize. Um, oh, I'm actually really good at that. I'm really, in- mm-hmm. I never thought I would be good at administration. It was not yeah. what I wanted to do, but until somebody said, well, take your skills and make this job, work for your skills and then trust yourself. I'm like, oh, I guess I could take some of those skills. So, you know, pairing them up and getting, you know, pushing them in that direction. And then um, I would say something, you know, showing them what loyalty can do for them, mm-hmm. showing them the the kind of not just the money, not, I mean, that's obviously a big part of it, but the flexibility, the, the opportunity to make decisions, um, being actually a voice that's not only heard, but valued because you've, you've established yourself in a company. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that money can't buy. Um, But those are opportunities that have to, they have to see them happening for others and see how that they could fit into that. Mm -hmm. Um, They also really have to buy into the belief system of the company. So making that very clear of what their beliefs are and how their employees fit into that belief system. Right. Well, I'm, we're, our time is running out, but I want to ask you one more question since this is Ladies Leadership Coalition. So do you see a difference uh, in these young people between the, the the male and the female on how they look at things? Yes, I would say I have seen a, a 
very big difference between my females versus my males. Um, my females have no problem taking the lead. They are strong, strong women coming up. They are, they have been told that they can do anything and everything. They have seen women, you know, role models right above them that are just rocking it. And they are, they're not scared. I would say if anything, I, I worry a little bit more about my boys now. They have <laughs> seen women take this role. And so they're like, okay, I'll let you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so still working on that collaboration, like that our, our ladies are doing amazing, but making sure that can they work with others? Um, because I do see a shift and a change and um, they're not near as scared. I will say though, that still, I see them in, you know, STEM fields or fields that are still predominantly male. They're still a little hesitant about that just because it, it may require different thinking for them. And so that that is something that they're still working towards, but it is way better than it used to be. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. And I really appreciate you talking to me about this today. And I'm sure our audience is going to enjoy hearing this and I'm sure they'll have more questions. And because this is an ongoing process that we're the world's changing, the industries are changing and uh, the way we're raising our, our kids are changing. So we have to be prepared as leaders and business owners to to work with these young people. So I'm excited about the future. So thank you, Carolee, for coming. And for those of you that are watching, stay tuned. We're going to have some more podcasts coming out soon, and we appreciate you joining us. Thank you again for having me. Mm-hmm.